have something so deep in my spirit today. Let's see. Okay. I, I am going to do my best to deliver this in, in a quick and timely manner. But I do want to tell you, if it takes me five minutes longer today than usual, it's just going to rain this afternoon, so you don't have anything really important. And it's going to be a rainy afternoon, but right now it's raining in the spirit. I, uh, it's so fresh, even though I helped write it and helped uh, do, I've been doing all the, um, all the research and planning. I redid last night because I was coming to Angleton. I sat down at 6.30 and at a quarter till 2, I got up and went to bed. I sat at my computer the whole time just, just typing and hearing the spirit of the Lord and hearing what God wanted to say. So really, this is, you know, kind of just fresh out of the oven. I haven't spoken this at another church yet. This is my first time to deliver it. So you're getting fresh bread out of the oven this morning, okay? And I, I really believe this is going to be a word for you. You know, we're in this series called The Table. And I noticed they have a wonderful table set up up here. And some of them didn't get a plate and a fork or a knife or anything. But, you know, um, at least they've got a place. They don't even have a chair. Some of them don't. But they do have a place. And uh, we, I think Pastor uh, Ryan may have spoken on the... 23rd Psalm already? Have you done that one? Yes, where, where uh, David said that he prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I love that. Love that scripture. And uh, last week in Sugarland, Pastor Random was there and ministered, oh my goodness, on the table. And uh, it was probably one of the best messages I've ever heard him minister. And I know Pastor Ryan did a great job here. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the lessons from the table of the Lord. This is going to represent the table of the Lord. The church has to come to the table of the Lord. So, um, in reality, in our life now, where we get fed is the table of the Lord, right? Now... Table time is very precious. It's very precious for most of us in here. You can look at our uh, size and weight and tell that we, we believe in pulling up to the table. Just saying. It's very precious in this culture, though. Uh, it's a time where we talk, we reconnect, we build bridges, we strengthen each other. And uh, there are relationships that are born. There are relationships that are strengthened. It's quality time at the table. That's very quality time. You know, when we were raising our kids, that pastor uh, made, us, made me turn off my phone. Kids didn't have one back then. And we turned off the phones at 5 o'clock every single day. And we had table time. I know that's an unheard of thing with us going so many directions. But that was a priority for pastor. And we made that a priority. And it was probably one of the most powerful times of our life. We loved it. It was, a ser it, it was sometimes serious, 
but sometimes it was just fun. And at the end of it, a lot of times, especially on Monday nights, we would stop after that and we would have game night and we'd play cards and it was just a special time all around the table. Sometimes it got serious and I'll talk to you about that in a minute, but I can tell you even date nights. Think about your date nights. Pastor Randy and I have still have date nights and almost always they have somewhere on that date night we're going to gather around the table somewhere and eat. Don't y'all, don't you? Isn't that what you do? Holidays, when special things are coming, we gather around a table. Even for you business owners, you all know that a business luncheon gathered around a table sometimes is so very, very important. And deals are done over breaking bread together. So it's a very, very strategic thing. It's important to gather around a table. A, a table represents usually a closer relationship. And I just want to encourage us today that we're going to bring things and opportunities come out of us gathering around a table. Now, the same thing was true in Jesus' day. And Jesus gathered his disciples around the table. He gathered many around the table. The writers of the gospel recorded uh, many of Jesus' conversations that were sitting together around a table. And we're going to explore four of those venues today and see what God has to say. At a few of the big events in the life of Jesus, these big ones, significant things happened around a table. So I want to talk to you. I'm going to take you to the first one, if you'll turn with me to Luke 10, 38 through 42. Because I want to find out who is going to be at the table of the Lord. Well, let's see. Of course, we got right here. That would be Jesus, right? Jesus is definitely going to be here. And then right down here, our first ones today are Mary and Martha. Do y'all remember Mary and Martha in the Bible? Okay, Mary and Martha have come to the table. Actually, it's more Mary than Martha, but we'll find out about that. Let's look at this, Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, this is just, oh, this is ringing bells in me. This is, this is uh, so deja vu for me and my sisters. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So now the first thing, life is over. You, you've got to understand when Jesus visited the home of Mary and Martha at the table, Martha walked, on, walked in and at the table and around the table was Mary. And Martha's out there fixing and serving and doing all the busyness, all the busy, busy things. And Martha is, Mary is pulled up to the table with Jesus 
getting a closer relationship with him. So Martha does what many of us will do and many of us have done. She goes to Jesus and complains, can you not see that I'm working my fingers to the bones? I am weary. And she's just sitting in here doing nothing but trying to get up close to you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all seen all that happen. In fact, most of us have done it one time or another. And Jesus comes back with a very interesting and almost surprising answer. Because you would think he would just have compassion and say, oh, honey, you need to go help. But no, no, no. He understands this thing about closeness and relationship. And he said, but Mary has chosen the more significant, the, the part, the good part, by seizing this opportunity that she has had to strengthen her relationship with me. Now, now I'm, I'm coming to a point here because this is lesson number one. This will be on the app. This should be in your notes. Lesson number one, never let busyness override your time with God. Never, ever let busyness override your time with God. You see, Martha busied herself. She was so busy with good things. Now, wait a minute. They're not bad things. She's not a bad person. She loves Jesus too. But good things, activity, responsibilities, Work with me here. I think you know where we are in this culture and society. While her motives might be good, she's so busy, she can't strengthen her relationship with Jesus. However, however, Mary seized the opportunity. She seized the opportunity. Never let busyness override your time with God. You know, uh, Sunday lunch was always a big deal. It's not that so much anymore. We usually go out to eat now. But when I was growing up, my mother started lunch either the night before or early that morning and had the roast in the oven. Y'all remember those days? Some of you do. Some of you may still be doing it, and it's awesome. And... Uh, We'd get home. We'd all look forward to going home. We'd always have people with us. We'd bring kids with us. We were the house that never, never went to sleep. And so we'd bring people with us. And we'd have a great lunch together. We all look forward to Mother's, all of her pies that she made and all the wonderful good food we'd have when we got home. But when it was time to clean up, my sister and me would start picking up and and. We would look around here in a few minutes. I have two sisters, an older one and a sm uh, younger one. I'm in the middle. I have to be all things to all people. Keep reach out from both ends. That's what's wrong with me. I've been trying to, you know, it's that middle child syndrome. So anyway, I, uh, my little sister, we'd look around, and she had disappeared. She had an urgent thing that she had to take care of somewhere, and usually we would find her in the restroom, on the toilet, reading the funny papers. <laughs> because it, it just needed to happen that time. Y'all know what I mean. Some of y'all know, kids, y'all know, y'all do it. Y'all know what I'm saying. Of course, now it's not that. It's some other device. But uh, I wish it was just the funny papers. But here's the deal. Life is absolutely overflowing with busyness. And and we can find things to do, or, but there's, there's responsibilities and commitments. But Jesus 
said three very important things that I want you to get in this venue that we are visiting today at the table. He said, Martha was worried and troubled. There's something about us when we're so busy, we don't have time for God and we don't have time to, to meet up with the Prince of Peace and get our peace shoes on, then we're worried and we're always troubled, but we're always so busy we can't stop to find out why we're troubled or why we're worried because we're too busy and we're complaining and we've got martyr syndrome and I don't know what this microphone is doing. Do I need to take oh. Okay, we'll do whatever we got to do here in Jesus' name. However, no, I'm going to get it right. Now, can you put that down there for me? Thank you. Okay, is that better? Yeah. So, we, we are so busy that we can't take time to be at, at the place that we need to do it. Every day we make choices. Every one of us make choices every day. And how we will spend it. Look what Jesus said. He said, number one, Mary was, Martha was worried and troubled. And then he's about to say his second thing, which is, but Mary chose. Now, I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I want to tell you that this life we are living in, this culture, is built to consume every single second of our lives. Every single, it gives us nothing left over for God. If you don't intentionalize your life, life will intentionalize you. There is no way that life and our culture is going to have time for the things that really matter in life, which number one is to come to the table. Yes, come and spend time in church. Come and be with the people of God. But this culture, this society is, is designed to snatch every single second of our life and our day. And we live at frantic paces all the time. We live that way, and that we've got a list of responsibilities. We've got a list of to-dos, and if we don't get them done, then we have failed. We've got places to go, people to see, get out of my way. I've got things to do. Constantly, we are busy. Everything is time. This culture is designed to crowd out the most important things in life. And I don't think the most important thing in life always is at the ball game or is always. It is, and I don't even say that church necessarily, what I, even though that's part of it. But most importantly is carving out that time to build your relationship with God, to understand your relationship with Him. And scores of people, this is what, as a pastor, I know. Scores of people are not in the house of God today. Not because they don't love Jesus. Not because they don't believe in him. Not because they're bad people. But they're not in church today. Not because that they haven't made Jesus Lord of their life. But their life is filled with responsibilities and good activities. And virtually, there's no time left. So they're not at church because the world has said, that don't make them bad people. I'm just telling you what we're fighting. It's an enemy that's out there to keep us from gathering at the table of God. There's scores out there. They have let busyness override their time with God. And I want you to, 
I want to encourage you to take time to develop your relationship. I wonder when's the last time some of them, or maybe some of us, have even spent a few moments by ourselves with the Lord, taking time to have our own private devotion with Him, or some time just to worship. There's nothing more important than to come into the house of God and just to worship Him. But the busyness crowds that out. It's not that we don't, we don't love Jesus. We just can't get it to it yet. We're going to get there. This is the culture we're living in right now. The second thing Jesus said was Mary has chosen the good part. Now, the, the operative word there is choose, chosen. We make choices every day. We have to be in charge of our own choices and not let the world dictate to us, not let society dictate to us. We have to make the right choices. We have to decide what is first in our lives and what gets the most attention. And here is Martha. Martha is swallowed up in this victim mentality because circumstances have overwhelmed her. And she's just a victim. Of circumstance. I know because I are one. I, I, I have been there, done that, and I have lived that. Even when you're doing things in the name of the church and God, you can be so busy that you don't build your time and find yourself at the table with him and strengthening your relationship with him. Now, that, that's in your personal time. There's other ways to do that. But I want to really strengthen us today to build our quality time first with him, our family, and then with our church people, and then whatever else God has for us. We have to make the choices in life. We have to stay in charge of our lives. Do y'all, are y'all getting me? It's not about the world deciding for me. I have to decide for myself. Mar Martha had a choice. You know, I, Martha had a choice. I understand this mentality so much. I can't even tell you how much I understand it. Because I can't tell you the times that I have done everything. Bless my holy name. I have done everything. I have gotten up early, stayed late. I didn't go to bed all night because I'm going to have everything perfect on the table. I've got every kind of turkey, every kind of way you can imagine. It's prepared. I've got 14 pies, 16 cakes. I've got it all done. I've got every vegetable. Martha Stewart ain't got nothing on me because I've been working for weeks and weeks getting this table ready. Bless God. And Nobody's in here helping me. And they're all in there just laughing and having their fun. And I'm at the dinner by myself. <laughs> I've been there. Now, I want to tell you, some of that ain't right that they don't help. Just, just saying. But the other side of this thing is sometimes they are just choosing. They don't really care about the 14th cake. Or the last piece of napkin that I'm putting. Or the last decoration I'm putting on the table. They just want to spend time together. And there's something about coming together and understanding the quality of time. This is what Jesus said about Mary. I love this. It will not be taken from her. There is nothing more important than time with God. Because it is the thing that is eternal. Eternal. 
everything else. She built a legacy, bless God. She's, any, everything else might fall away. But look, she has built something eternal by coming. It will never be taken away. Every time I'm in the house of the Lord, my private time of God, when I go into worship with him, when I get in a small group in fellowship and iron sharpens iron, it will not be taken away from me because that's eternal valued things. That's things that God has brought to me. It's an opportunity that's been placed in front of me. And here's what I want you to say today. I want to tell you today that today, even in this house, whatever your situation is, whatever you're going through, God has so designed it that before we get through with this place today and you walk out that door, everything you need, there will be something at the table for it. If you just will get up close and gather in, because this is a season that God has something that he's depositing in us, something that's rewarding. You know, he said to her, look, your reward, Martha, is, you, yeah, people can pat you on the back and say how good your cakes were. But Mary's reward, it's eternal. There's impartation that's placed in her. And I am asking God to let us have that impartation that's eternal inside of us, that will live inside of us forever, that will cause growth in our lives, not in a physical way, but in, in an absolutely incredibly spiritual way. And so let me just ask you, are you a Martha or are you a Mary? I know at times you have to be both. But when it comes to the most important things of life, you better be a Mary. You better be, understand when to come to the table. Let's look at the second one real quickly. Let's see who's at the Lord's table today. Oh, there's this person that's going to be up here. It's the worshiper. Turn with me to Mark 14. This is probably one of my most favorite scriptures in the entire Bible and scriptural texts and stories that Mark told and many in, in all of the Gospels it's told by the disciples. And being at Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil. I got some right here. A very costly oil. And it was very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, what was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? And they, and for for you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you don't always have, oh, there's a something coming up here. You don't always have me with you. She has done what she could. She has come before. She could do this. People th think they can't do it. Oh, yeah. Jesus says you could. She could do this. She has come before hand to anoint my body for burial. There's a prophetic anointing that she is about to release. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Now, while Jesus sat at the table of this Simon's house, a woman comes in. They call her the sinful woman. They call her Mary from... Uh, 
Magdala, they call her several things in different, in different gospels. But the one thing for sure is she came in with expensive oil. Actually, it had been hidden because it was her life savings. It was a whole year's wages that she had in her hand because this is what she had. It's the only thing she had. And who in the world would give the only thing you had? I'll tell you who would. A worshiper would because she knew that if it weren't for him, she wouldn't even have a life. If it weren't for him, she wouldn't have any way to ever, ever, ever live a life of joy. But now she's been, he's, he has set her free at that last crusade, and she is just looking for a way to tell him how much she loves him, just to get with him, because she knows without a doubt that it is a, she thought for about two seconds, should I or should I not? But it even wasn't two seconds. She immediately knew, look, this may be my life savings, but I didn't have, I don't have a life without him. And so I'm going to take this and I'm going to pour it on the feet of Jesus if I can just do that because I don't have the words to say. I don't have any way to pay him back. But if I can give him all I've got and pour it on his feet, that's what I want to do. So she heads in there, this little woman does. And what did they say? They start, they start telling her all kinds and criticizing her. But this woman had been looking for an opportunity. And this is the second lesson. You've got to understand spiritual opportunities must be seized in the moment. Or let me put it like Joseph Garlington puts it. You've got to seize the opportunity of a lifetime in the lifetime of an opportunity. This woman had been looking, and she recognized the way, and she didn't care that there'd be critics there. It didn't matter to her. It didn't matter to her what people would say. He meant more to her than what people would say against her. And so, oh, I wish I was prepared to illustrate this for you, how she poured this, and she rushed in. Do you think for one second that she was too naive and stupid to know that people were... <laughs> whispering behind her back because she was so critical. I tell you what, my dear friend wrote the song, Alabaster Box, and, and Janice Joe Strand wrote that song, and she said it like this. You don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. I've come to pour my praise because everything I have is because of him. And this woman knew, I may never get this opportunity again. I may never have the ability to do this. There's one little window opening in the and I've got to seize this moment. The worshiper had a spiritual opportunity to be with Jesus. And at this point, she doesn't even realize that his crucifixion is looming. And do you know that she would be the last one to anoint his body for the burial of our Lord and Savior? It was an extravagant gift. Oh, I got to stop here long enough to tell you. There are just some times you got to seize an opportunity. Pastor Randy and I, we have a budget, and this is what we give every week over and above tithes. But let me tell you, there just comes an opportunity every once in a while, and you got to know by the Spirit when it is, when an extravagant gift is what is needed at the moment.
Now, I'm not one of those that we do not preach in this place and we don't strip people and we don't beat them over the head and we don't make you feel guilty if you aren't a giver. This is a giving house. We bless you. But at some point in your life, you've got to know there's a time when you've got to be extravagant, where you've got to give more than you've ever given in your life. And you've got to seize that moment because it's in those times that God begins to, uh, begins to cause the things to happen and there's a momentum that takes over. These are moments out of the ordinary. They're openings in the spirit. They're times, divine moments, that something is given and something is received during these moments. This woman never had a clue that Jesus said she would be remembered for years to come because of what she did. There is eternal. There is a legacy that God wants us to release in our lives. This one, they said, look, you should give it to the poor. But Jesus said, uh-uh. No, the poor you're going to have with you always. You can always give to the poor. But you better be able as a spiritual discerner to know when to seize an opportunity and when to move in and when to come to the table and when to pour everything you can. Come to the table is what Jesus was beckoning of her. And she felt it in her spirit that day. She was unashamed. She was unafraid. The absence of self-consciousness was not even on her. She ignored the disapproval of everyone around her, but she had chosen the right thing at the right time for this elaborate gift to be poured out on Jesus, these divine moments. And I want to encourage this. As I, as I get through with this story, I want to encourage all of us and all of you to give, learn to give and receive. You know, there, there moments can just slide right by. We can walk right by the greatest moments. We can ignore the sensitivity of the spirit and miss the greatest opportunities. The greatest job that possibly you could ever want or have, you can miss it if you aren't sensitive and you aren't able. I don't know why this is doing all this today. One more time. And it ain't about what, we, what we're wearing. It's about can we seize the moment with Jesus? Can we make sure that we have maximized every opportunity that he gives us? And this woman comes in, and, and she absolutely caps, she captures his attention with her desire to be in his presence, with her hunger to worship him. There is a worship, and I, I tell you, there are times and moments in the spirit, and I want to give you some practical advice about this. Probably the greatest moments in my life, and Bishop and I talked about this in detail, probably the greatest moments in our lives personally when God has downloaded something on us, revealed something, given us a word of wisdom, has been when we're right in the middle of worshiping. Just worshiping. We've forgotten that we hadn't answered Facebook. We're not worried about the texts that are piling up. We're not worried about the, the, the trash that's overflowing. Right now, we're just worshiping 
him. And in that time of worship, even on Sunday mornings, there has been more downloads in my spirit during that awesome time. Because when you're in the presence of God, something happens that doesn't happen any other time. Something changes your life. I encourage you to be an extravagant worship. It's not just about extravagant giving financially. It's about extravagant worship. Hey, I, I've said this in here before, and I've said it many, many times throughout my ministry, but I have a son and that loves football. Oh, my Lord, Jesus, he loves sports. Unbelievable. Of course, there's no pastors in here that love sports, but, but I'm just saying, they go crazy, crazy, stupid crazy over a little pigskin. It's unbelievable. Or a little baseball, whatever that's made out of. Leather, whatever it is. I don't know. All I know is that thing ain't never shed one drop of blood for me. It's never been on a cross. It has never, it, when I love baseball, I love all, do it all, do it, every bit of it and more. Make all, get all the gold things for Jesus. Go to the Olympics. But at the end of the day, that don't let it, don't out-worship that over worshiping God. At, at least as much as you're extravagant. In your praise and worship and, invent and, and excitement and zeal toward your sport. At least that much. And it should be more. Be extravagant in your worship toward God. We are a worshiping place. We are a worshiping house. And then there's those times that we have to learn to seize the moment as this worship did. It could be in a church service. God is doing something in that moment, and you know your life will change from that moment forward. You can go back to that time, times when God just whispers something in your ear, talks about your future. You know, when the devil knows it's happened every single time, it just happened this week, it just happened this week. Every single time the devil knows that God's about to download words of wisdom or he's about to download a revelation into my spirit or into our spirit, he will blow my world up. And he'll blow your world up too. And every time your world gets blown up, stop for a minute. Take a deep breath and say, whoo, I'm about to seize an opportunity. I'm about to seize. I'm about to head to the table. Because right now, this is when God's about to pour something and download something on me. So I'm going to get real extravagant just about now. Don't let the devil's blow up be bigger than your praising up. You know what I'm saying? This is a time to seize the opportunity. No way to say I'm going to come back later. You know, I, I know, God, you got something to tell me, but, you know, I'll be back. No, no, no. If you miss it, you might miss it. You got to learn that there's openings in the spirit. Prime times for downloading. I can just tell you this. There's some times, ladies and gentlemen, that you need to be aware of. And it's in those nothing happening, really, that, that is... It's just mundane, like washing the dishes, like mowing the lawn. For me, it's usually washing the dishes or maybe just taking a bath in the shower. Lord Jesus, have mercy, I've gotten so many downloads in there. In just that mundane time, I'm trying to help you with your, your life. And, and these are no-brainers. They're those times when, when it's a prime time for a download. 
always stay plugged in. Don't ever unplug. There are times we got to unplug the headphones. There are times I got to turn the radio off. I got to turn the kids off. I got to turn the crying off. I just can't take no more. I got to turn the TV off. I got to turn the music off because I just need some silence. But don't ever Take your spiritual ears out because it's in those moments that God wants to speak to you. We've got to learn how to capture those moments because this woman, who would ever dream that we'd be reading about a woman, that her legacy, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about the legacy of a worshiper. 2,000 years later because this woman knew when to get to the table. Number three. Who's next at the table? I want to show you. Oh, this one is huge. This is a disciple. Really, there was only 11 here at this one. But there's one missing. Do y'all know why there's one missing? Well, you'll find out. It's in, in, in Mark, the 16th chapter, the 14th verse. And, uh, and it's because of Judas' betrayal. So there's one missing at the table. Later... He appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked, underline rebuked, their unbelief, underline unbelief. Oh, and hardness of heart because they did not believe those even that had seen him after he had risen. Oh, my Jesus. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. This is huge. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. After Jesus was resurrected, he sits at, sits at the table with his disciples. And you would think he's going to tell them all of what happened while he was in the grave for three days. But no, this is what he does because sometimes this is what happens at the table. He's, he's talking to the 11. And the word says that he rebuked them. Say rebuke. Oh, my goodness, I know that that's not something we want to hear at church. We want to be lifted up, not rebuked. But there's times at the table that it's fun, it's exciting, it's strengthening. Then there's times where he's got to do a little tune-up. You know, my dad used to do the tune-up thing at the table. If there was anything important that needed to be said, he'd get it said. And you know what? We liked it at the table. You know why? Because he wasn't going to get the belt out at the table. He wasn't going to get the keen switch out. You know what I'm saying? But he was going to say it because he wasn't going to get too loud either because the mom was sitting at the table. And, you know, this is a table. Uh, and so we're not going to, this is a place where we're going to get tuned up a little bit. So that's what Jesus is about to do. And he says, look, I rebuke you for your unbelief. I told you I was going to die. I told you I was going to come back to life. But now, he says, not only did you not believe me, but you didn't even believe the women who saw me after I was resurrected. You, some, you disciples, you just thought they were ignorant women, you know, just talking and making stuff up. There's no men in here that would agree to that, but I'm just saying, you know, y'all just think, you know, that it was just the women, and, and no, 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 no. Jesus said, look, 
No, I want you to know, not only did you not believe me, you didn't believe eyewitnesses of me coming back. You thought that they were just airheads, but I want to tell you, they weren't. Why didn't you believe? Jesus is at the table. See, God was holding them to a level of faith that they were not even holding themselves to. There's a level of faith. He's got to bring them up. you got to know always when there's a rebuke at the table, it's because you're about to go up. He's got to get something fixed so we can go to the next level. And he's holding them to a level of faith because he knows these 11. He's, about, he's put everything he's done in their hands. Everything he has given them is in their hands. And if they don't get it to the world, it won't be gotten. There is no other plan. There is no other plan today. And for every disciple of Jesus and every disciple of Christ in here, the plan is still the same. We've got to get it to the world. And we have to live on a higher level of, of faith than we've ever lived. My dad at table time, sometimes, you know, it was a good thing. But like I said a while ago, there was that time at the table he would take us. And absolutely, when we got through, we were just kind of walking on tiptoes. But we didn't forget it for days because we know it was a serious time. If dad talked about it at the table and he dealt with it at the table, and if he rebuked us at the table, then bless God, we have an accountability there. We've got to step it up. We have to come to the table and be prepared for the Lord to tune us up a little bit. And I'm convinced that a lot of people don't go to church because they don't want to be tuned up. Why did it get so quiet in here? But, y'all, we have to face who we really are, what we are and what we're not. Actual condition of things, we've got to come to a grips and be held accountable for what we've done and what we have not done. The constant challenge of that sometimes keeps people away from church. From because they may not be doing what they should be doing. And when you come to the table of the Lord, there's always food. There's always blessings. There's always joy. There's always provision. There's always revelation when you come to the table of the Lord. But sometimes there's rebuke because you got to go to another level. And he's got to get tune it up because the car has broken down over here. And he's got to pull you in the shop for a minute and get us fixed. Are y'all with me. And he does that at the table. So lesson number three, God holds us accountable for the level of faith that we live on. He holds us accountable for the level of faith that we are living on. Then he goes on to say, oh, wow. After he rebuked them for a moment, then he said, and you know, I've never really connected these two like this. This is a, a revelation for me. It's like I said, I'm just sharing this for the first time, so I'm preaching it to myself. If y'all don't like it, it's okay, but I, I got to get this in my spirit. And, and here's, here's what he says in that scripture. These signs will follow them that believe. So you got to get your level up. Your unbelief, your faith level has waned. Uh, you got to be accountable. You've got to live at a higher level, 11 disciples, because you've got to build a kingdom. And it's not going to be off somewhere like you thought. And I'm not going to physically establish it here like you thought. You are going to establish my kingdom in the earth, disciples. Then he shows them where the standard is. After he says, 
you uh, rebuked him for their unbelief. The second thing he did is he showed them the standard. And he said, this is the standard. Signs and wonders are going to follow. So it's good to know what you can, how you can measure are signs and wonders following. He said, that this is what I want to encourage you to believe for. He's, and this is what I felt in the spirit last night. People that walk in a level of faith and not fear and doubt and unbelief, this is the level that God's going to raise you up to. If you will take the rebuke at the table, then he said, I'm going to show you signs and wonders. Then he said, these signs, they will be indicators. They will be the actual evidence that you're walking in a level of faith that will build my kingdom in the earth. And you're at the right place at the right time. Wait, wait, this is what he says. And we aren't this weird church over here. And for every denomination this is in the Bible, you can't tear it out. In my name, they will cast out demons. Oh, spiritual warfare, unseen world. You mean we got to get involved in that unseen world? Yep. Everything that happens in the earth is a reflection of something that's going on in the spiritual world. It overlays the natural world. If you want to do for me what you want to do for me, he says you're going to have to raise the level of faith. Operate at a level and deal with spiritual demons. And he went on to say, not only will you cast out demons, oh, but you're going to speak with new tongues. I know y'all didn't think y'all were going to get all this stuff up in here today. But let me tell you, this is the New Testament. And speaking in tongues, let me just explain. It's when you speak in a language you don't know, neither do you necessarily understand. But the Lord empowers you. And there are two categories. There's a known language and an unknown language. You may be speaking in a language that is a known language. But you may be speaking in an unknown language. And some, we often think that's the language of heaven or an, uh, an angelic language no matter what he said you got look this is this is where you got to go you got to get in that level if you want to see signs and wonders these are the things learn to speak the language of signs and wonders learn to speak that language of signs and wonders the language that's not common to man it's not common to you. It's not common to your flesh, but puts your flesh down and raises him up. It raises the bar, what you learn how, when you learn how to operate in that level. And, they will, and he says, then they will take up serpents. And if there's any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. Wait just a minute. We are not snake handlers in here. And we ain't never going to be. That is crazy, crazy, craziness. That is not what Jesus was saying. If anybody wants to come in here with snakes, tell them bye-bye. They are the wickedest link. They ain't coming up in here. Because the deal is, that's not what Jesus was saying at all. He was referring back. He was referring to Acts. When... When, you know, the, when Paul was shipwrecked on that island of Malta, we went there this fall. And when he got shipwrecked and he was about to be taken, a snake jumps up and bites his hand. And he shakes it off in the fire. What Jesus is, and, and he lived. The people around thought he was going to die. They thought, oh, my God, it's over for him, that poor darling. And he ended up writing two-thirds of our New Testament. But here's the deal. It's not about you shaking off and showing what you can do with power. No, 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 no. What basically the principle here is, Jesus was just saying, look, when accidents, when invasions come into your world, when the enemy comes in like a flood and reaches out to bite you and destroy you and kill you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Shake him off. Say, shake. 
power to withstand. And no matter if he does seem to bite you, he can't kill you in Jesus' name because he did not give you life and he can't take it. It belongs to the Lord Jesus. There will, they will be bitten by serpents, but it won't harm them. Nobody with any sense at all is going to come up in here or want to be shaken off. That. And then he says, you will drink any deadly thing and it will not hurt them. I've heard all kinds of things about people taking, Lord Jesus, taking drinks and drinking Freon mixed with this and this and, and putting that in their body. That is crazy. That is absolutely a spirit of stupid got on them. There is one. And he jumps on a lot of people, but I'm telling you, what he's saying is, look, I'm covering you, your body. And even though harmful things may come, but your level, I, this is where you're going to raise to. You've got to know that I've done everything that can be done to cover you and keep your body from harm. And when you come in contact with something, and you're, you're not, it's not going to kill you. You're going to rise above it in Jesus' name. Are y'all with me? That's what he's trying to say to them. These signs of a believer are supernatural. They're not supernormal. They are supernatural. Do we live there? He rebuked them simply because they weren't operating on the right level of faith. They were not right. The last thing he said was, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Throughout the New Testament, we see where people instantly were healed. That's a miracle. Then we hear right here in this verse, he talks about being recovered. That's different than a miracle. That happens, a miracle happens instantly. But look, a recovery is you've got a terrible thing going on in your body. But when you believe and apply the word of the Lord Jesus and stand in faith, he begins to cause recovery to come in areas of your body. And before you know it, you're not just a survivor, you're a thriver, you're a victor. You come through because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because you have elevated your faith level. We need to go back to the table. What level are you living on? And lastly, I will end with this. Who is the last person at the table today? This one just, uh, this one blew me away. This is a foreigner. Y'all see that? And I'm about to share with you. And I will let the scripture speak for itself. I won't have to add. You just let it speak. The foreigner's coming up to the table. I hope the disciple, all of us in here are going to stay at the table. The last person, Mark 7, 24. This is someone that has a different ethnicity than Jesus and his apostles. Wow. This is current events in the making. From there, he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him and she came and fell at the feet. The woman was a Greek. Underline that. Yeah. She wasn't of his ethnicity. She wasn't from his background. Okay. And then Jesus said to her, but no. And she came and fell at his feet, and this woman was a Greek, a Syro-Phoenician by birth. And she just kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. <sighs> For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. 
And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord. Yet even this, the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Would you please underline that, please? Then he said to her, for this saying, go ye your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she came to her house, she found the demons gone out and her daughter just lying on the bed. This unique answer that Jesus gives this woman says more to me in this season that we're in right now than just about anything I've read in a long, long time. It is so current and so relevant and it's so edgy and speaks to every segment of society. Here's what she said. Jesus gave. She said, heal my daughter. And he, and he had done countless numbers of healings. He had healed so many. But his answer was basically, no, 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 no. You're the wrong ethnicity, daughter. You're Greek. I've been sent to the house of Israel. But she says, Master, I know I'm different. I know I'm of another ethnicity. I know that even the dogs, but look, I know that I may not qualify for your qualifications, but master, I know that I'm different. I understand that I'm another ethnicity, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from your table. Ah, oh, can you please help me? I'm more desperate. Here's the thing, lesson number four. All manner of healings belong to the children of God. Now let me explain. The racial prejudice test is at hand right here. Because can you be offended? Can we you turn your way? This isn't just racial prejudice. This is gender. This is every kind of prejudice that's going on. You think about how many people allow themselves to be offended on a daily basis and forfeit what they really need in their life desperately. How desperate are we to get to the table? This woman said, look, look, I don't care what you think about me. I know that I don't meet up to your standards. I know I'm not good enough. But just give me the bread, the crumbs of the table. What she didn't realize, but her spirit realized that transcended gender, that transcended races, that transcended every other obstacle of offense. This woman was desperate enough to get what her child needed. And the thing about those crumbs, that was the bread. And the word of God says that the children, that the bread is our inheritance. It's for our children. It's the healing. It is healing. And this woman is desperate. There are her whores of Americans that are home today right now because they love Jesus but they got hurt because somebody offended them somebody said something to them and they're not in the house of God something happened they pull back they're not in the house today they're not up at the table today because they just got hurt see I believe that Jesus put this obstacle of offense in her way just to see and maybe just to show us all these years later if she was going to let the offense stop her from receiving what she had come for. And that is the question. See, when people start coming, 
when they start coming to the house of God and reaching out to him and getting involved, there's always a place. When you start reaching out for the bread, there's always somebody that's going to say, you don't look right. You're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. You need to be over there. You don't belong here. You're not in this group. You're not like me. You don't have, no, 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 no. Then that's when something has to rise up on the inside of you and say, I love you but I don't have to live with you right now. But what I do have to do is I have to get healing for my daughter and whatever it takes. Don't let anything stop you from coming to the table of the Lord. Don't let anything discourage your pursuit of God. Offenses will always happen. People get hurt. People, and they can't help it. It's the fleshly nature. We allow it to rise up. It has to die daily. And offenses will try to deter you and stop you from grabbing your healing for your daughter, for your family, for your future, for your job, for your destiny. But somehow this woman says, look, I, I can't let that happen. As a pastor, I think about all the different people that I've counseled and worked with and all the people that stopped coming to Jesus' table. And their real reason wasn't that they, you know, had been sick necessarily or, or this had happened. Their real reason was somebody offended them. And in the middle of their troubles, sometimes it is truly just sickness and troubles and desperate needs. And, and somehow it drives, it drives people back to the Lord. But then things going on prevent them from actually finishing what was started and getting what they need. This mother needed a miracle, and she didn't mind being insulted. She didn't mind being rejected. She didn't mind any of that. This woman said, it may not be able to be good enough to sit, to sit up at your table. But if I can just get the bread crumbs that fall, if I can just get what you throw away, then somehow I will get what I need and my daughter will be healed. I am convinced that there are believers all over this world right now, and especially all over this country that has been so blessed with the bread, with the information, with life-giving bread. We've had so much. I am convinced right now that many of us are wasting things and ignoring things that if just uh, some other people knew what we had available to us, they would give everything they had just to get it. And we're wasting it, and we're taking advantage of it at times. And somehow there's so many people that are desperate, and they're just saying, look, I'll be here if you'll just give me your crumbs. We've had so much. What we waste on the table, others are begging for all over this world. And I am asking the Lord to open up our spiritual senses. Open up our hearts. I need a keyboardist, please. Open up the cavity of our soul and let us sense what happened what happened when this woman forsook everything and said, I refuse to be 
pushed away from the table. If I can't get the best seat at the end, it's okay. If I can't get the best seat here, and if I don't get to sit by the most important people, it's okay. Just, just if I can crawl up under the table and catch what's left over, I will get my healing because there's something about healing. The healing, the blood of Jesus, of course. The stripes on his back was for the healing. But there's something about the body that heals. I saw this this week. Had to go in for a little biopsy on a little skin thing on my leg. It's the craziest thing. Same thing happened to Pastor. He, did, he had to go get blood, not the same thing, but... We came up with the same thing we just both said. Man, our bodies are an amazing thing. How that within this body, there is healing agents. And if not, when they put that hole in me, I would have bled to death. But immediately, it starts to close back up. When they get started taking the blood, immediately, it closes back up. Because our healing is inside because he lives inside of us. He's there, the healing of our bodies. I, I look at the course of my life and all the broken bones in my body. Last year I broke this bone. I broke another one over here. This one's been cut on. I've had surgery on this one where I broke it riding a horse and I, it was broken and cut. And Lord Jesus, I've got scars everywhere. There's scars everywhere, and I, I used to pray that the scars would go away. Now, the older I get, I'm just thankful. Now I can remember. They caused me to remember what God has, what, what happened in those times. In a, at a wedding when I was 12 years old, split my leg open, and they had put stitches in it. But my body has been broken. Maybe not as much as many of yours have, but somehow... Somehow, in a matter of days or weeks, my body begins to heal. Because why? It's just what it does. Because it was created by the healer. And he, if he lives in me, only takes it to another power if he lives inside of me. But why does Jesus want people to come to the table and be healed? Because it's just what he does. And if you're broken, if you're hurt, if you're troubled, there is a body, there is a body that will wrap itself around you at the table. Because, see, Jesus isn't necessarily here in person, but in every single one of us he lives. Jesus lives in his body. We are the body of Christ. We have to be the healing agents today. He's calling us to bring them to the table so that they can be healed. It's just what God does. There's just something I see so plainly in my spirit. Would you close your eyes with me? Because I just want to tap into that prophetic realm for a moment. Because I know that sometimes wounds are self-inflicted. I realize that. Just the pain of knowing we've screwed up cost us greatly. But I want you to know God heals.
And just when you're beating yourself up and the wounds are so open, God heals. He will heal in every area of your life. He will heal in broken finances. He will heal in broken marriages because the crumbs from the table are the children's bread. It's the children's bread. And bread is the healing for us. And so I am asking you right now to join with me. And I am going to believe that God is going to begin to heal areas in our lives. And we're going to sense his presence in a different way. As we not waste an opportunity and not waste any time. If you're a prayer partner in this church, please come up quickly. Because there's something special that God wants to do today. I don't know why he's chosen this healing thing to settle in on me so strongly the last few weeks. That's why we're calling our conference Be Whole. It's because, oh my goodness, there is so much, so much sickness, so much pain, and so much brokenness when the healing agent is here. The healing agent is here today. I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment, and while you still have your eyes closed, I want to pray. The greatest opportunities, I just sense this by the Spirit. Ryan, I don't know what's about to happen, but I just saw a number nine, and I don't know, but in like maybe nine days, nine weeks, I don't know, the ninth month, I don't know, but something. There's an opportunity coming for this house that is going to absolutely be incredible. There's something else that I see by the Spirit of God, and I keep seeing it 416. 416. I know that uh, Ephesians 416 is an awesome verse, but that's not what I feel like the Lord's saying. I truly believe it is. What's 416? Easter. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, January, February, April the 16th. Yes, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we receive that something significant is going to happen in this house on the 16th of this month. We declare this is going to be a day of resurrection, new life. New life is going to come, and not just individuals, but for this house. But the Lord says even in this house, you will come in and say, oh, I thought it was great. But this exceeds my expectations. For God says, yes, I will raise you to a level of faith that you have not yet walked in. For this house will have the signs following. This house will have the evidence of the faith level that they shall walk in. For signs and wonders will be released. Signs and wonders will be released. Miracles, signs and wonders. Jobs are coming. Openings in the spirit are coming for financial advancement. And Father, I thank you that you are causing faith to rise in every one of these individuals. Lord, as I pull through this city this morning and I look.
shocked on both sides of me. I saw your healing hand covering this city like a blanket. And Father, we're just asking by the Spirit that you draw those hungry, those desperate, those wonderful people that desperately need you to your table. And we give you our firm commitment that we will open up a place for them. We will invite them in. We will have something and we will see that as part of your body that they are healed, that healing flows through them in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I thank you for that. I thank you that this city, I just thank you that there's a release going out through this city right now. And even people, where they are at home, something's happening in their spirit and they don't even know what it is. But Lord, I just thank you that there's going to be a pull from the north, the south, the east, and the west to come to the table. Come to the table of the Lord where they will find healing. And Father, now for those that are sitting in here, supernaturally, I'm asking you to do a work for them today. For every person that's about to walk down these aisles, Lord, there's going to be a, there's going to be a healing anointing upon that's going to come upon them. As these prayer partners just come into agreement, they don't even have to tell them very much. They don't have to have every detail. But Father, your anointing's just going to be released and we're going to see signs and wonders follow from this moment on. So I don't know what your need is. It doesn't matter when we stand in just a few minutes. Just come, gather up here. If there ain't enough people to pray, we'll get enough people will pray over you but this is a day of healing this is a day that God is releasing healing in this place so father I thank you right now stand and just come and we're going to see what God is going to do just just get out from your aisle right now and gather right here with me everyone that wants somehow it isn't an altar call just for salvation this was for everybody that says I want to be a healing agent I want to be a healing agent in the world or possibly you're saying I need that healing to flow through me right now for my family for my finances for my daughter for my son possibly I don't know what your need is is, but there is healing flowing in this house right now. So, Father, I thank you that as they come, that you've already begun the work. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, as we continue to worship. And I'm going to turn this back over to Pastor Ryan. I want to bless the people of God. I want to bless the healing agent and the body of Christ that is in this house today. That, Lord, they're going to take opportunity and seize the opportunity of a lifetime as they go out into the world today. Father, let them be sensitive to your spirit. Let them raise up to the level that you've called us to in this hour with signs and wonders following. I thank you for it, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We bless them in Jesus' name. We bless them in Jesus' name. We bless them. 